reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Mark. The scribes who had come from Jerusalem said of Jesus, He is possessed by Beelzebul, and by the prince of demons he drives out demons. Summoning them, he began to speak to them in parables. How can Satan drive out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand. That's the end of him. But no one can enter a strong man's house to plunder his property unless he first ties up the strong man. Then he can plunder his house. Amen, I say to you. All sins and all blasphemies that people utter will be forgiven. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never have forgiveness, but is guilty of an everlasting sin. For they had said, He has an unclean spirit. The Gospel of the Lord. Today's gospel has Jesus speaking to us about a very important principle. It's a crucially important principle in this octave of Christian unity in which we still are in. A house divided against itself cannot stand. A church that is in disunity cannot stand as Christ wants it to stand. He promises that hell will, the gates of hell will never prevail against his church. But for the church to be able to carry out the Lord's mission, we need to be united. But there's also an obvious application to the day of prayer and fasting that we have today with regard to the church, but particularly with regard to what we call the United States of America. If we're not united on the issue of life, then we will not survive. Jesus did not promise that the gates of hell won't prevail against the United States. Abraham Lincoln himself, back in the early 1860s, cited this very gospel passage with regard to slavery in the United States. That if we were going to maintain just a tolerance of each other with one part of the country in which everybody was free, in another part of the country in which people were considered property, such that you could murder them if they were your property with no real punishment other than words coming at you, that our nation would not be able to stand. And that's what we're dealing with in the United States. The contrast to disunity is love. And the only way that the United States will stay united is if our response to others is always love rather than fear, rather than that temptation to destroy. We have to admit it that there's no greater issue of division in the United States than with respect to abortion. There are some people who say, us, that every human being deserves respect 
that every human being has dignity and that we can't destroy that human being intentionally. That that is the equivalent of murder. There's another side that says whatever's growing inside a woman's body is hers to do with whatever she wants to, even if it's got totally different DNA, even if, if you extricate it from the mother's womb at five months, now it's got total rights. But as long as it's still in the mother's womb, it has no rights. And even if you have to deliver the baby and evacuate all the contents of the brain, but as long as the ankles or the toes are still in the mom's womb, you can suck out a baby's brain. But if that toe comes on out, you can't do that any longer. That's a crime. That's what's going on in our country. And we need to face it. We need to pray. We need to do reparation. And we need to do all that it takes in order to bring this country back to unity. What's important for us is we need to recognize that the United States will never become united again merely by the outlawing of abortion, by the overturning of Roe v. Wade. It's only going to happen ultimately when we learn how to respond to each other with respect and dignity. And that, if we're ever going to model it for those who think that the littlest, youngest, and most vulnerable of our brothers and sisters should just be able to be slaughtered if somebody doesn't want them, if we're ever going to teach them a different way than the way we respond to those who support that grisly, gruesome practice has got to be loving, not finger-wagging, or not condemning. Jesus says at the end of today's Gospel that the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. Then he basically implies what that blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is they were thinking that Jesus had an unclean spirit, that Jesus was a devil. And Jesus is saying what won't be forgiven is when we see good and we treat it as evil. When we see something that's coming from God and we treat it as diabolical. That is the sin against the Holy Spirit in St. Mark's Gospel in its context. And in some ways, that's what's occurred in the United States. Those who want to defend children, they are claimed to have the unclean spirit of not wanting to help women, of not really caring or loving women. No, in fact, we do. You know, there's been an interesting thing that has become apparent in the 39 years since Roe versus Wade. When in the early days after Roe v. Wade, the radical feminists in our country were defending abortion. They were saying that it was pro-woman, that those who didn't want abortion were against the cause of women. But we've seen in those 39 years that abortion is being used in a preferential way to slaughter baby girls. It's a reverse holy innocence when King Herod went to kill all boys under two. Across the globe, there's now a deficit of 160 million girls since Roe versus Wade. That's come about first through infanticide, 
that if you didn't give birth to a boy, you'd just throw the girl in a bucket of dirty water or expose her on a field. But then once Western nations paid for abortions to be able to be done, and we were able to give ultrasound machines to these remote villages that would only cost $300, women, recognizing that they were pregnant with a girl, had the baby girl aborted. But if it were a boy, they'd keep it. And this was precisely exported by Americans. We were under this whole idea that the world couldn't sustain enough people, even though the United States can grow enough food to feed the entire world. But when population control experts from the United States and Americans working for the United Nations Population Fund were trying to get all those stupid backwater nations, third world nations who don't really deserve the same respect as us in the first world, when we were trying to get them to cut down in the amount of babies they had, what did we discover? We discovered that these stupid women in other countries would continue to have babies until they had a boy. And so if the first one were a girl, they'd have a second. If the second were a girl, they'd have a third. If the third were a girl, they'd have a fourth, and so on. And so Westerners, especially Americans, came up with the idea that if we're ever going to decrease population in these nations that ha have babies that we don't want in the world, then we've got to give them away to make sure that that firstborn is a boy. And how would we make sure of that? Let's give him an ultrasound machine. Let's wait until the stage that we can determine whether it's a boy or a girl. And then if we recognize it's a girl, let's kill the girl. The first pregnancy, the second pregnancy, the third pregnancy, until finally that woman conceives a boy and will let that one be born. When you look in China, there are 120 boys, first uh, first pregnant, first born children, 120 boys to every girl. The natural level is between 102 and 106, and eventually because boys take greater risks and go to war, it eventually equals out between men and women. But the natural level is 102 to 106 that has been shown in every culture over the course of centuries. In China, the firstborn is 120 boys to 120. 100 girls. Second-born children in those places where they're allowed, 143 boys to 100 girls. Third-born in those rare provinces where they need other kids to work on the farm, 165 boys to 160 girls. In Beijing, third-born children, 275 boys to every 100 girls. It's a global genocide of baby girls. And yet, you've still got women at organizations like NARAL and Planned Parenthood that say it's pro-women. Totally unbelievable. As we're killing future generation of women, they continue to claim it's pro-women. 
And that's happened in the United States now, too. We've become the Wild West of fertility. Most countries recognize that we shouldn't just kill girls in the womb, that there's something wrong against the dignity of women if we're going in preferentially to execute just those with two X chromosomes. And now there's a way, even before a child is growing in the mother's womb, to determine whether it's a boy or a girl. You manufacture a baby in a laboratory through in vitro fertilization. You let it grow to eight cells. You take out one of the cells and you analyze it. If it's a boy, you implant it in the mother. If it's a girl, you kill it. Many other countries have outlawed that. They call it pre-implantation diagnosis, genetic diagnosis. Most other countries have outlawed it. We haven't outlawed it. So what happens? Couples from all over the world who want to have a boy, they come to the United States, they go to one of these clinics, they go through this in vitro fertilization, which is totally immoral. Make, manufacture a baby in a test tube, or frankly, they'll manufacture six to eight in a test tube. They'll choose one who's a boy, either fry in liquid nitrogen or kill the rest and try to implant that boy. We've got laboratories around the world who are sending all of their samples to the United States to be able to be analyzed so that we can do the determination because it's illegal in their country. We choose the boy, we send the boy back, we kill the others. Do you think if we continue to do this, our country's going to be able to stand? If we allow people to say, boys can live, girls will die. What's going to happen in a place like China where there's so many more boys than girls? There are 21 nations in which it's way beyond natural limits. We're, we expect that there's going to be a much bigger rise in violence in general with the restlessness of boys who can't find wives. But we also expect that there are going to be other offenses against women. A massive spike in prostitution, everybody expects. Sex trafficking, in which you go to other places and you kidnap girls in order to be your wives. That's already happened in certain places of the world. We think that that's going to go way up. The offenses that occur in war to women in other countries, way up. And yet we continue to say, or some continue to say, that abortion is pro-woman. Our nation has an unclean spirit. We, moved by the Holy Spirit, are called to give witness that Christ came to give us life and life to the full. Let us ask the Lord to give us that grace in order courageously to live this Christian life to the full and go and repair our nation so that our house won't fall. But just like Abraham Lincoln helped to eliminate slavery, so we may help God to eliminate this diabolical, 